Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. I'm glad you're here this morning. We're going to start our new sermon series this morning. It's called Us, Relationship Blessings. That's what I've titled this. Us. Everybody say us. And if you've been here the last few weeks where I, I spoke on, on our purpose, our calling, and, and we discovered that our life is, it isn't about you and I. Have you figured that out yet? Life isn't about you. And it, for some of us, it takes a long time to understand that. Some of us, it takes years to understand what our calling is that God has given each of you. God has given each of you a purpose in your life. Amen? A purpose for your life. It's not necessarily to be a, a registered nurse, an LVN, an engineer, a doctor, a firefighter, law enforcement. That may be what you do, but that may not necessarily be your purpose in life. How many know that? We each have a God-given ability. I believe that every one of us here have gifts. God has given you gifts. And not only that, but you are the only person in in. in the grand scheme of things that can do and operate that gift the way God intended it. Amen? You know, many people have gifts, gifts of teaching, gifts of speaking, gifts of helps and so forth. But when God gives you a gift, only you can fulfill that. Only you can do that. Amen? So this morning, that leads into this series of us and relationship blessings. You know, I grew up in a family that's really close. We, we all get along, which isn't always the case with families. I understand that. A lot of families do not look forward to that time at Thanksgiving or Christmas or birthdays or whatever it may be. I get that. I've been fortunate enough where in my family we all get along and we have a great time. And we were taught that from a young age that family is everything. Anybody relate to that? Family is everything. And that's how I've grown up. I've raised my kids to believe that as well. And, uh, but here's the thing, in discovering that, in living your life, we can decide to do it our way. We, we all have ways as parents, as, as just people of doing life. But how many know there's a manual for doing life? It's called the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, which I learned from my kids going to youth camps. I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't grow and have that experience of the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth book, that one that I'm talking about. The manual gives you instructions on how to live a godly life, how to live a blessed life, how to live and have a wonderful marriage, amen? But it all takes work. Everybody say the word work. How many don't like to, you know, you don't even have to raise your hand on that. Uh, work is work. Work just, the, the word work sounds like work. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, uh, it's a sacrifice. And this morning, I want to talk to you this week about marriage. Okay, now hear me out, those that are single. Just because you're single, don't think right now that this does not apply to you. It does apply to you. All facets of God's word apply to you. Amen? Whether you're single or married, and if you're, if you're looking forward to marriage, listen closely, because this will be a great foundation for you. Amen? And, and then, so next week, and then the next few weeks after that, it'll be a different topic. This one is on marriage. Amen? So, I want to start with one word. Covenant. Covenant, which is a foreign word to the world. 
to marriage counselors out there that, uh, do, that omit God from the conversation. Covenant. Everybody say that word, covenant. Covenant, covenant a biblical term that means an agreement between uh, or brings about a relationship between God and his people. That's really what a covenant is. It brings about a relationship between God and his people. We are in covenant relationship with Almighty God. The moment you became a believer, you established a covenant with God. Amen? And in the same way, when we got married or are going to get married, you establish a marriage covenant with your spouse before the eyes of God and with God as well. Amen? Let me share a little story that I heard. It's a story about a couple that went to marriage counseling. Now, I know none of you here would ever go to marriage counseling because you have perfect marriages, right? And so um, this couple went to marriage counseling, and the woman is the one that really desired to be in there. She started, initiated this, this uh, counseling and dragged her husband to it. How many know that that's probably the most likely scenario there? So they're in counseling, and, and the counselors heard the woman, heard the situation, and so she starts hearing, uh, he starts hearing the man, and uh, he has no interest in being there. He flat out tells the counselor, I don't want to be here. And, um, you know, he just looks at him abruptly, and uh, the counselor does, and then the man goes on to say, the husband says, do you have any programs for, um, for uh, therapy programs, like for somebody that has a substance abuse uh, problem? And the counselor looks at him and says, well, yeah, we have that. Why? He goes, well, I have a brother who's hooked on drugs, and I'm desperately trying to get him help. In fact, and then his wife chimed in and said, we've spent thousands of dollars trying to help this brother-in-law of mine, his brother, to try to get cleaned up. And, and so the, the husband pipes up right away and says, yeah, he's my brother. I'd do anything for him. I want to help him out. Do you have any programs available? And the counselor looks at him and says, yes, we do, but hold on. He goes, do you, do you see what you're doing? He goes, you would do anything for your brother. You're actually in a covenant with your brother, but not your wife. And, and the story is true, and, and maybe you're thinking of a situation where that may have been you years ago. God wants you and your spouse to be in covenant together at not at the expense of a brother or sister or anybody else, not even your kids. Your spouse comes right after God. It's God, your spouse, your children. Not God, your children, and your spouse. That's the biblical order. Amen? amen. No, I, I, I didn't get an amen. I, I need an amen. 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 Because far too many of us get that out of order. And just like this gentleman had, he had it all out of order. Really what the Bible is telling us is that we need to have a covenant with our spouse that will, that will remind us that I would do anything for her, for him. Amen? Uh, most men here, I would hope all men here would be able to say of their spouse, Honey, I'd stand and I'd take a bullet for you if I had to. You know? Hopefully you're not saying, Well, that's, I draw a line right there. You know? Hopefully all of you can say, Honey, I would do anything for you. And conversely, I would hope that the woman would be able to look at her husband and say, Honey, I would do the same thing for you. Um, 
That is a sign of a healthy, healthy marriage. But again, it doesn't come about without consulting the manual, as I've uh, referenced here the last couple of weeks. We need to have a manual. And it just it, it's so silly to me how we'll, we'll put that bike together at Christmas time and we'll open up the instructions. Or worse, we'll get that cabinet from, from Walmart or Ikea that has a million pieces and a million little screws. And without that manual, you are lost. In fact, you end up going ahead of yourself and then you realize, oh man, I got to take that apart to put this piece on. But you got to have the manual. But yet when it comes to life, we ignore the simple truth that we need to consult the manual to make our relationships work. So please uh, hear me out this morning. If, you've, if you're doing things on your own, if you're doing things um, just because that's the way you were taught or that's the way you were raised, there is a better way, and it's the Bible way. Amen? Um, if you'll stand with me this morning, I want to read our sermon text found in Genesis chapter 2, and it's on your outline. And I've also got it up on the screen. So make sure you get it two ways there. Uh, Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to start reading in verse 21. And it says this. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, this one is a bone from my bone. And flesh for my flesh, she will be called woman, because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Let's pray right now. Father, we pray, Lord, right now that you would give us each wisdom to receive from your word. I pray, Father that you would give me the words to speak to declare your eternal truths this morning, that we would be able to have those healthy relationships that you desire for each and every one of us as married couples here this morning or those that are maybe looking forward to that day. So, Lord, we pray your blessings this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. So, again, I I just want to reemphasize a couple of scriptures here. Starting in verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Verse 23, check this out. You get the point right there? That's what Adam was thinking when he saw this woman. The Bible says, it wasn't me, the Bible says, at last, right? See, here, you got a picture of what was going on here prior to this scene. Adam was there with the animals. It was him and a giraffe, him and an elephant, him and a dog. He was just busy naming animals. And all of a sudden, the Lord puts him to sleep creates this beautiful woman, and he goes, at last! And he was, he was overjoyed, and he called her woman. Amen? Amen. Flesh of my flesh. <coughs> that, is, that had to be a joyous, joyous occasion. Amen? 
Much like when you first met your spouse, hopefully, your eyes locked from across the room and you said, at last, I've met the one I want to spend the rest of my life with. Amen. Wayne knows what I'm talking about. Thank God. I also want to give you a different here explanation here of covenant. The biblical meaning of covenant, it actually in the Hebrew can also mean to cut, to cut. It actually, it means I will hurt. I will die for you when you're in covenant with your spouse. That is really what the marriage is supposed to mean, that I will step in front of a bullet for you, that I will do whatever it takes to make sure that you don't get hurt. And when they're both like that, when both spouses are like that, in that capacity, you have a healthy marriage. If it's one-sided, you have a very unhealthy marriage. Amen? It's got to be a two-way street. They both got to reciprocate that. But here in our world, how many know that our our marriages are more like a contract? And I'm going to get into that, of what I mean by that. The world doesn't honor marriages. In fact, I'm going to give you a few stats right now here. But the Bible teaches that we are to honor each other, to respect each other, to respect our covenant with our spouse until death do us part. Now, here's the thing. I get it. We live in a world that we divorce. In fact, I I was divorced as a young man before I ever knew the Lord. Uh, I I married very young. At the age of 18, I was married. I was a dad. And uh, it's not the way you want to start life off. Amen. But those things happen. But what I'm talking about here, this is what what happens when the world, when you allow the things of the world to creep into your thought process. Listen to these stats here in in terms of uh, households. Six out of ten children live in a single-parent household. Not uncommon these days. Uh, how many remember those days when both mom and dad were, were home with the kids? Amen. That's how we grew up. Those of us that have gray hair like this, um, we grew up like that. Did you know, this, these are stats here that just uh, I was amazed by. Children spend less than 30 minutes a week in a meaningful conversation with their mom. Less than 30 minutes a week. And we're talking about children that are living at home with their mom. With their dads, it's less than 15 minutes per week. Check that out. That's the one that I was amazed at. That's, that's amazing. In a recent poll, 73% of people under the age of 45 considered life spent with the same person as unusual or unnecessary. Now, that is completely opposite of what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that when you get married, that should be the person for forever. Amen? For you forever. But again, here's, listen to this one. Households of parents living together has quadrupled since 1970. You know, that's, we all know people that live together. That, that's just what we see nowadays. But it never was the case before, right? Teenagers on average experience sex at the age of 15. In our country. These are statistics here for the United States of America. How many know things are not well in our country when when it comes to families? And I could go on and on, and you know these statistics. You know other statistics like these. Well, I want to remind you this morning, God designed the marriage covenant, and our world has tried to make rules of how marriage should work. You know, there's, there's marriage seminars. I would encourage you, even if you have a strong marriage, to at least go to a marriage seminar. Anna and I went a couple times when we were uh, young 
newlyweds, married, within our first four or five years. And they're just tools to help you in your marriage. I would encourage all of you to go. It's usually, they're called a weekend to remember, those kind of conferences. How many have ever heard of those? Um, They have them all around the uh, country at different times. Um, But here's what I want to talk to you about, the difference between a covenant versus a contract. A covenant versus a contract. Too many marriages in our day and age work like this. Well, the husband talking to his wife, if, if, if you do this, then, then I'll do that. If you do that, then I'll do this. You know, it's based on a contract. It's based on uh, what-if scenarios. It's not 100% of, of a sacrifice of honey. It doesn't matter if you never do that. I'm going to give you 100% of myself. You know what I mean? Too many times it's based on, well, if you don't do that, then I'm not going to give you that. I'm not going to do this. Uh, too many times it's based on just fulfilling or getting something from them. Again, it's not about you. It's not about you. Amen? I want to remind you of a, of a scripture found in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13. This is what Jesus, uh, this is a reminder about Jesus. When you are faithless, he remains faithful. In the same manner, it applies to our marriages, our relationships. Sometimes, how many know that, that we go through seasons where it seems like your spouse can be distant at times? And, but it doesn't mean that you're to, you're to be distant like them. You're to keep loving them 100%. Amen? You're not with, to withdraw just because you feel that they've withdrawn. Just because... Uh, you told him to go sleep on the couch tonight doesn't mean he should be sleeping on the couch every night. Amen? When you are faithless, he remains faithful. See, the reminder here is God will never break his covenant with you. When he says an amen, it's an amen. When he says yay, it's a yay. Amen? You are in covenant with the Lord. But in our world, the first thing we say is, oh, okay, it's not working. Well, then I'm out of here. I recently heard someone say, uh, I won't say it's not here, but um, where I work at Monday through Friday to pay the bills, they were saying, well, you know, uh, Rick, it was, uh, you know, if she doesn't start doing this, I'm out of here. That's what he was saying about his relationship. But he was living together in sin with her. So um, not that that excuses it, but he was basically telling me, oh, yeah, if she doesn't start doing this, I'm out of there. It's based on. On, on a contract. It's based on ability to get satisfaction on his end. And he was omitting the fact that he needs to be 100% up front with her as well. And I just, you know, I didn't even bother talking to him or counseling him because there was no point. He wasn't getting that. He didn't want to receive that. And so again, the, the thing is, we shouldn't automatically want to get out of there or get out and, and get divorced I realize that happens, but let's, let's go through a process. Let's try to make this work, amen? Let's not just be like the world and skip out at the first sign of, of a fire in our relationship, of, of issues in our relationship, amen? Why do we want to stick together? Well, it's pretty obvious. Number one, God's word declares it. Number two, there's a blessing upon the home. There's a covering upon your children when you stay together. You know, when that covering is removed your children all of a sudden get exposed to things that they normally wouldn't have gotten exposed to, which leads to children who run away from home, children getting involved in, 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 in sex at a young age, 
Um, many, many things can, uh, bring dysfunction to the family unit when it's not a blessed marriage. Amen? When people are not seeking the manual, the Holy Word of God. Again, the word contract, this is the definition of it. It's where we protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. Listen to that. Where we protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. Isn't that the America we live in? We don't assume responsibilities. We just protect our rights. Well, that wasn't written in the contract. It's kind of like if you belong to a union. You know, I've heard people mention jokes about working for a union. Well, that's not in my job description. I can't do that. It's, it's all about you know, my, my right. I have the right to refuse to do that. Rather than, than being in a covenant, which means where we give up our rights and pick up our responsibilities. See, a covenant says... I give up all, all my rights. And I say, Lord, whatever you, your will is. And I pick on new responsibilities. I take on new responsibilities. This is what I want to spend the next few moments on right now, is those differences right there. Uh, let me just uh, see right now by a show of hands. How many, how many have been married for more than 15 years? Raise your hand if you've been married more than 15 years. Okay. How about more than 20 years? Raise your hand. Okay. More than 30 years? Raise your hand. Wow. Give them a big hand. They've been married more than 30 years. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> His hand's still shaking. But you know what? That's an accomplishment. It's a huge accomplishment. This coming July, July 27th, my parents will have been married 60 years. That's, that's an honor to be married that long to the same person, you know, to put, that my dad put up with my mom, and more importantly, my mom put up with my dad for 60 years. My brother said amen back in the back room, right? And not too many people, or do you see that any longer, marriages that last that long? And so young people here, young marrieds, those that are working their way to 10 years, 20 years, ask those people, how, what made it work? Maybe your spouse is not here today. You can still go up to people and ask them, ask that person, what makes it work? Pick their brain. Dig that wisdom out of there because there's nuggets there that you and I need. Amen? And, and so those are the reasons why we want to first seek the manual. But let me remind you this of this. There's three things I want to talk to you about real quickly. Three rights we give up in a biblical healthy marriage I just said something that you probably didn't like right there. A right I give up? You mean I have to give something up? Yes, you do. Marriage is a sacrifice. Marriage is sacrificing on both ends. Amen? First right you give up is priority. Priority. In other words, before you got married, if you wanted to go and go to San Francisco or go to Las Vegas or wherever, you could just get up and go. Right? But when you're married, it doesn't work that way. You got to Talk to each other. you got to figure it out. And, and there better be a good reason, right? More importantly, there better be a good reason. Priority. It, it, nothing, nothing comes before your spouse. Nothing is more important in my life outside of God than my wife, Anna, is how I need to look at it at all times. So in preparation for this sermon, all day long, yesterday and the day before, and other days too, I've been telling her, Anna, you're the number one priority in my life. You're, 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 you're the absolute, and she's just looking at me like, what are you on? You know, but she knows I talk to her like that every now and then. But yesterday I laid it on heavy and thick because I'm speaking on this. And I, I've got to live it. 
And if I'm not living it, how dare I speak on it? Amen? I have to understand that my life is no longer about me. Priority reminds me that when I give up priority about me. So I can't go out there. I mean, I can go out there and buy that uh, two-seater Corvette or, or that single-seat car. You know, how crazy that would be, right? Uh, unless both of you agree to do that. But that would be selfish of me and selfish of her if she just went out and got something for herself without talking about it. Amen? We have to give up priority. It's no longer about ourselves. It is now two people involved in that conversation. Ladies, ladies' night is not your top priority. Ladies' night out, I should say, is not your top priority. Now, you want to get together with your friends? Go for it, but, but don't, don't just tell your husband uh, Friday night when he gets home, oh, by the way, uh, there's some uh, microwave dinner right there. Just help yourself. I'm going out with my friends. I'll be back tonight around midnight. I mean, that's probably not going to work too well. How many men know what I'm talking about, right? You're, you're each you're, together. That's your priority. It's not about you anymore. Amen? Amen. Here, here's what, I, again, I want to remind you. Some families are, are children-centered. In other words, the family revolves around the children, and that's an upside-down dynamic. God always says, put him number one, put your spouse second, your kids third. You may love your kids. I love my kids, but they don't ever come at the expense of my spouse. And I'm sorry if that's you today, and you believe that your children should come first because they're struggling, because they're going through a tough time. And then you're probably wondering, well, maybe that's why... We're having a tough time together, getting along. Maybe that's why we've had some experiences of uh, some arguments lately. Because we're not following the biblical pattern, which is God first, then your spouse, then your, your children. Amen? So if you follow that order, everything else falls into place. It, it's not easy. It's still work. It's still work on all of us. How many of you remember in the King James, the word that's used to cleave, that the woman shall, shall leave and shall cleave to the man. Let me, let me share something here with you. The word cleave means to cling, keep close, closely pursued, closer, clung. And these are Hebrew, Hebrew um, definitions that I looked up. Deeply attracted, fast in its grip, follow closely, held fast, hold, holding fast, join together, Pursued him closely. Remain steadfast. Stay, stay close. Stick, stick together. Do you see a pattern there? See a pattern? It's like there was somebody else that I heard uh, another pastor said the closest word to that would be like super glue. Super glue. You and your spouse are like super glue. Think about that. You ever use super glue lately? It, it's come a long ways. It's, it's improved now. It's hard to break something apart that's been super glued. I want you to consider your marriages from this point out, if, you're, if you've never done this, to be super glued, that nothing is going to break them apart, that what God has put together, nothing can, can tear apart. Amen? So number one, we give up priority. Number two is ownership. You're no longer the sole owner of your life. It's the two of you. Everybody say two. You're now partners in life. Partners in life. Here's the thing. It's not your checking account and his checking account. It's both of yours checking account. It's both of your money. Um, he doesn't have uh, um, 
uh, a cell phone that, uh, well, no, I'm getting ahead of myself, but um, it's not your car and his car or his truck. They're both your vehicles. Amen? Um, It's not his house because you met him before you got married and he had his house. Guess what? You're now a homeowner, right? If you didn't have that house before, you're now a homeowner. Uh, If you don't believe me, the state of California will tell you otherwise. Amen? Amen. But again, we got to start looking at things as, as, as ownership. Um, I, I give that up to assume this healthy relationship. It's now ours. It's not we're, we're a we together. I don't do things by myself anymore. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4 says the following. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. See, I want to clear something up here real quick. Guys typically have used that scripture to twist it around and say, see, woman, see what it says? You must give me what I want right now, the desires that I have. No, it's not talking about that per se. What it's saying is just as your wife is supposed to be submitted to you. You are supposed to be submitted to your wife as well, 100%. It's never a one-way street only. How many have figured that out? In a healthy marriage, it's, it's both of you submitting to each other, loving each other, amen? And then the third point that we give up is privacy. Let me give you a good example. I mean, privacy. Adam and Eve had no privacy. She was all there. He was all there. They had no privacy. And in your relationship too, you have no privacy. Now, I'm not just talking in the physical. So in other words, you shouldn't have that private little cell phone that he's not aware of. That private little email account that she's not aware of. That uh, private social media page that you go on that he's not aware of. Everything should be out on the table. You should be an open book with your spouse. And if you're not, I'm telling you right now, it's an unbalanced relationship. And it's an unhealthy relationship. Because there's never anything that you and I as spouses spouses should keep from our spouse. Now, granted here, I, I don't, I'm not an emotional kind of guy. How many guys relate to that? You know, we, we don't share our, our feelings, right, my brother Dan? You know, we, we, it's hard for some of us men to... Although you see me cry up here, I'm not an emotional guy. Um, but so it's hard for me to, if Anna says, how's your day, to, to break it down and say, well, you know, I had a tough day, honey, and I felt like crying. I mean, it's just not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. And I, I know I need to be a better open book. I need to be better at that. Like most men, we need to work at that. It doesn't come second nature to a lot of men. And that's fine. As long as you recognize that, and as long as you try to improve on that. But we need to be open books. That means at home, my cell phone is there on the table. My wife knows the passcode to that. She can go in there and look anything up she wants on my cell phone. I have nothing to hide. She can go on my, on my email and look at all the emails. I have nothing to hide. She can go on my work computer if she wanted to and look at anything there. I have nothing to hide. And vice versa. Now, if you're here today and your husband doesn't know your passcode or your wife or your, uh, doesn't know your passcode, um, if you have any of these things I'm talking about, 
That's an unhealthy marriage relationship. And something, something will go wrong. Something will happen that will prevent that, the blessings that God has for you. Amen? You, 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 be, you have to be able to say, I'm an open book to your spouse. Your life isn't private anymore. The minute God brought you two together. Amen. Privacy dies the moment you came together in marriage. Privacy means this in a marriage. It means free and unhindered access to my life. Free and unhindered access to my life. Now, that may make some of you feel uncomfortable. But you know what? That's the way a healthy marriage is designed to operate. Free and total access to your spouse is the way a biblical relationship should work. Anna has, again, like I emphasize, Anna has access to everything in my life. Let me read this scripture to you in John chapter 15 and verse 15 out of the NIV. It says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything. Everybody say everything. That I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. In much the same way in relationships, you make everything known to your spouse. Everything. Yeah, sometimes including the drama at work, you know, you let them know. Uh, I know for us guys, me, I can only speak for myself here, up here. Uh, I have a hard time talking about work. I just shut it off when I leave work. I shut it off. But sometimes it's healthy to talk about it. Sometimes it's just healthy to share that so that they know what you're going through sometimes, so that they can pray for you. God has a divine design when he wants us to be an open book with each other, to be able to comfort each other, to be able to pray for each other. Amen? Again, the reminder here is when we are in covenant, everything is known. We are an open book to each other. You want to know why affairs happen? Because... You're not an open book to your spouse. And then they are searching for that. And they become an open book to a co-worker, to, uh, to a friend. And they begin to tell them things that are reserved only for your spouse. The minute you go down that road, it's a slippery slope. That's how affairs begin. This is reserved for your spouse only. There are certain things you should never, ever tell another person of the opposite uh, sex. And, and you know, men, you know what I'm talking about. Women, you know what I'm talking about. I don't need to go into details on that. But we need to be an open book with our spouse. Our hearts are wide open to our spouse, and that's exactly what happens with an affair. You open your heart up to somebody else. I want to read another scripture. Um, this is a long section here found in Ephesians chapter 5, and this is where... You're all familiar with these scriptures that speak on husbands and wives. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22 through 33, it says the following. It says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. It means take a bullet, gentlemen. That means take a bullet if you need to. 
Verse 26, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Verse 30, because we are members of his body, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined or shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is also to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Do you see that? Uh, and again, a lot of men can twist those scriptures around and say, see, woman, it says you must submit to me. That's not what it's just saying. It's saying much, much more than that. It's saying, men, are you loving your, your spouse as Christ loved the church? It's give and take. Both of you are, are giving something to each other. You're doing your absolute maximum on that level. Amen? So you can see that the world doesn't uphold these values. When you're talking to a, a co-worker, somebody that you run into, and they're sharing some of their, their, their issues that are going on in their relationship, and they're not believers, none of these values are coming up. Have you noticed that? They're not coming up because they're not consulting the manual the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So here's, here's what I want to tell you. I want to share responsibilities that we pick up when we follow a healthy biblical marriage. Real quick, just three of them. Number one, we love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. It is not love if there are conditions on it. Like I referred to my coworker that said, well, if she doesn't do this particular thing in our marriage, I'm out of here. That's a condition he put on the marriage. Marriages are not to function like that. It's not a contract. If you do this, I'll do that. If you don't do this, I'm out of here. That's an unhealthy sign of an unhealthy relationship. Love unconditionally. That means you love when they say something stupid. Wives, how many of you? No, you don't have to raise your hand because we've all said something stupid. In fact, women would go as far as to say when a man talks, he is saying something stupid, right? Because we do say things at times because men don't think. We just sometimes blurt things out. And the Bible says you still got to love him unconditionally. Men, you still got to love your, your wife unconditionally. When it took her 20 minutes to just tell you those 10 seconds of information that you needed to hear. Amen? You still got to love them unconditionally. And all the men were shaking their heads going, oh, brother, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> How many here deserve God's love? Did you deserve God's love? I mean, absolutely. Did you? No. The answer is no. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. None of us, including Pastor Rick, deserved the love of God. Yet he loved you. He loved you unconditionally. He loves you. He's faithful. Amen. In that same way, that same sacrifice, we're to love our spouse unconditionally. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you hurt me today, honey. I forgive you. I choose to forgive you and move on. And in fact, let me take it a step further. And you've heard me say this before. If your spouse hurts you 
If your spouse says something to you or anybody, if you're, for that matter, if you're single here today, if they hurt you and you want to move on and forgive them, you need to tell them, um, I'm sorry, but I, I need to, I need you to, uh, I need to, to ask for your forgiveness. You know, maybe you're the person that didn't do anything wrong, but you're the bigger person. Go up to them and say, I need you to forgive me for having a, a bad attitude. Don't just say, I'm sorry if, if, say, you did something wrong, but just tell them, I need you to forgive me. And then say, I'm sorry for my actions. That's the biblical method right there, is, is taking a step and going out there and asking them, I need you to forgive me. I'm sorry is, is really cheap. It's petty. It really is. It doesn't carry a lot of connotation anymore nowadays. I'm sorry. You say a bad word, I'm sorry. You say something mean, I'm sorry. Go up to them and say, I need you to forgive me for that comment. That's a whole lot deeper than, I'm sorry. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. Would you do that going forward? Amen. And as I close this morning, point number two, honor respectfully. Honor respectfully. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm putting a value on my marriage. I respect my wife. I respect my uh, husband. If that's you here today, women, there's a line that each of us should have in our marriage. There's a line that you don't cross. There's a line of words you never say. There is a line physically with things you don't ever do. To your, I mean, hopefully nobody here is getting beat. Hopefully here nobody or anything like that. There's a line. Every one of us need to know what that line is because you respect your spouse. Amen? You honor them. 1 Peter 3 and verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 5 and verse through 7 says this. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. Notice how the Bible saying that was an adornment. That was a beauty, something that stood out, that was beautiful. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands... In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I just want to make it clear here with the women. It said we, use the word weaker. It doesn't mean you're not just like a man. You're not as strong as a man emotionally, physically, you know, physically we know that that's not the case. Men, men are created stronger. That's just a physical fact. It's not talking that you're a weaker person here uh, in any other term than physically. I just want to make sure you're, you're cognizant of that. But here the important word that I want to talk to you about is submission. It's the Greek word to put yourself under something. I, I'm reminded, well here I was getting ahead of myself, but just as we are all submitted to the Lord as believers. We need to be submitted to one another. We were created differently, so we need to respect each other. Your spouse doesn't think like you. (laughs) I have so many examples. Married couples here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your husband will do things differently than you. If you're going to ask him to clean the house, don't expect it to be clean like you you would do it. And you husbands know what I'm talking about. Because later they're going to go and, and go throughout the house and they're going to be upset because you didn't do it 
husbands like they do. We think differently. Just be thankful your husband cleaned the house, okay? Let's start there. Respect them, amen? We were created differently. And then number three, in terms of responsibilities we pick up, we submit mutually. We submit mutually to one another. I always think when I hear that word submission, the definition I gave you, I think of a, a, a wrestling term. When you submit, when you get the person to submit to you, you won. You cause them to give up. How many remember the old game when you were kids and you twist somebody's arm? Okay, you got to say, uncle, uncle, uncle. I don't know, maybe some uncle a long time ago came up with that. And I remember doing that to my brother and other people. You twist their arm or bend it back and you're hurting them until they say, okay, I give up. Or say, uncle. You ever heard that? Um, That's submitting. I give up. That's what a relationship is like when you mutually submit to one another. You're saying to your spouse, I give up my will. I give up my will to please you, to love you. When you both do that, it's done in a biblical fashion. And blessings flow in your life. Blessings flow in your life. When one person is not willing to submit, it's a difficult road for the other person as well as for the person unwilling to submit. We have to learn to yield to one another to develop and have a healthy relationship. How many receive that this morning? How many agree with that this morning? Amen? You agree? Let's submit. Let's learn this year as we begin this this year. We're, we're still just the beginning of February. If you heard something this morning that has challenged your relationship, your marriage, let's take that to the next level. Let's begin to do that and submit to our spouses by loving them, even though they just yelled at you this morning, even though they didn't make you your food like you like it, or even though that coffee that you made for her was cold and lukewarm. Wives, just love them. Respect them. It'll go well with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, again, it's our privilege. It's our, it's our wonderful joy, Lord, as people that are married and those that, that aren't married here today to know that you have a great and grand plan for each of us. Lord, I'm thankful, God, for your word, that I can go back to your word and I can read scripture. And it reminds me that sometimes I need, I need to give up my rights, my thinking that it's all about me. And it's not, Lord. It's not about me. It's about you, Lord, number one, then my spouse. And when I begin to do that, blessings flow in that relationship. Lord, I pray that this week that there would be couples here today that have heard this message, that Lord would even take it a step further, that if they have not yet been praying together, Lord, that they would learn to hold hands, to pray, to have an intimate moment of prayer together. Lord, let it start just with a couple-minute prayer and, and let it grow into something deep that that relationship would just deepen between not only them two, but with you. Because I know this, Lord, that when you bring us together, when we draw closer to you and our spouses follow along, everything begins to to just flow in our relationship. Blessings from above are just poured out and just drizzles out over every aspect of our 
of our healthy relationships. So, Father, I pray that this morning, God, that you would um, just bring your anointing to every marriage. The devil is a liar, and he would sometimes speak to you certain things that would try to drive a wedge to think that possibly your husband doesn't love you anymore, to possibly make you think your wife doesn't love you anymore. The devil is a liar. And Lord, we stand upon your word this morning and we remain faithful not only to you, but to our spouses. I pray, Father, again, strengthen each and every marriage here today. May we continue to grow in your grace. And for those, again, that are not yet married, I pray that they would listen to these words, that they would take these scriptures, Lord, and and apply them in their life, apply them in their future marriage. And as they do, Father, may they again experience your wonderful blessings in their life. And Father, we praise you and thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.